This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. In this episode, we're jumping into the mind of your customer. From their perspective, do they prefer to use the term mechanic or technician? Ask a customer, how much do they think a mechanic technician earns? What is your customer's opinion on a service advisor having visible tattoos or even smelling like cigarettes? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, Carm Capriato here, and I'm with Bob Cooper. And Bob asked these questions to a panel of consumers at the 2022 Elite Invitational in San Diego. And their answers will certainly surprise you. And more importantly, what should you do in your business having this knowledge? Hey, thanks to our partner, Napa, for providing this episode. Look, the technician shortage continues, and Napa Auto Care stepped up. And is addressing it, they have a free two-year apprentice program offering a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASE certifications. Hey, so learn more. Members can visit member.napaautocare.com. Hey, guess who's with me? Bob Cooper, President Elite Worldwide. Hello, Bob. Hey, Carm. Always great to see you. Always great to be able to spend time with you. Same here. And Bill Greeno. Hi, Carm. How are you? I'm great. Quality automotive servicing in Truckee, California, and an elite coach. Hey, Bill. Happy to be here. Yeah. You know, we were at the Elite Invitational in early June and uh, walked away with an episode with Bill. And if you haven't heard it, phenomenal. Thank you so much for contributing to that. It's a really special treat. There's going to be three episodes, not necessarily released in a row, but over, say, the course of the next three to four weeks, you'll hear... Uh, part one, part two, part three. And here's Bob up on the stage at the Elite Invitational with an incredible panel. Bob, I'd love for you to, for you to explain, number one, how you pull that together of, of just consumers. Yeah, Carmi would be more than happy to do that for you. And, and the reality of it is, ladies and gentlemen, one thing that I find interesting in business is I learned this when I was running out of repair businesses. No matter how well your customers love you, they could love you like a rainbow. The reality of it is there are some things that they will never, ever tell you. The argument that I use is people don't like to tell others that the baby is ugly. I mean, they might come into your shop and they love you and everything that you do, but there's might be something there that they just don't like, but they don't want to take advantage of the relationship that they have with you. So there are things that they're just not going to say. So over the years, I've learned this phenomena. How do we get inside of their minds and how do we learn what's really important to them? And I've had the opportunity of doing actually four different customer panels. One of them was in 2020 with our good friends at Mitchell One. We had over a thousand shop owners sign up to watch that one. And we actually had the chance to get inside of their head. So what we did this time, Carm, is we actually vetted a bazillion different people that we felt would be the ideal customers for your audience, the ideal customers, guys and gals that have the affordability to fix their cars right the first time. They're good communicators. They're level-headed people. They drive their cars a lot. They depend on them a lot. I mean, they're the guys and gals that every shop owner would say, ooh, I'd love to have that as a customer of mine. And then what we did is when we found those people, I wanted to get half of them to be independents and the other going to independent shops and the other half going to, to the dealers because I wanted to find out what goes on inside of the minds of these customers that go to the dealers, you know, what keeps them there, what 
prevents them from reaching out to the independents. That's the reasoning, to pick inside of the heads of their minds to see what how they really think so we can be more successful in understanding them and ultimately converting them into our customers at auto repair shops. The second thing that I needed to do is I needed to then find these ideal guys and gals. And what I did, Karma, is interviewed lots of people. And I just want to, Karma, if I could take a minute, I'd like to give you and your audience a little bit of an overview because they're going to see these people up on the stage, but they're going to wonder who is that guy or who is that gal? I'm going to give you a little overview, okay? Their names were obviously, their names were kept confidential. We didn't release any of those. They were in incognito. All that we gave the audience was their first name, the kind of cars that they drive, just some of that kind of demographical information. So guys and gals, here's an overview of the people that you're going to see on the screen. One is a gal named Jody. She drives an electric automobile. She has for years. She's very well qualified. She's somebody you love to have as a customer. Takes her car to the dealership. Has always went to the dealership. She feels that they know what they're doing. She says she does go to the chain store sometimes for things like tires and things like brakes. But other than that, she's a gal that goes to the dealers. Another one is Brendan. You'll see a young guy. He's going to be to the right in the audience. He drives a 2018 Audi A5. Uh, He's an executive in the financial industry. Really a bright guy. And he drives Euros. He's always used dealers. Why? Because he feels comfortable with them. And he said he's never had a bad experience, never had a reason to go to an independent. You're going to hear from Yana. This is a gal that drives a 2018 440 BMW, incredibly bright gal, meets all the qualifications, everything that you'd like to have as a customer. She too goes to the dealerships, feels comfortable with them. She too has never had a bad experience at the dealer. You're going to hear from Steve. This is a gentleman that has a uh, F-150 pickup truck. He's had it forever, puts a lot of money in it, continues to drive. I've been going to the same independent for the past 10 years, loves them like a rainbow, and he's willing to do whatever they tell him needs to be done to take good care of the truck. Lastly, I know that you guys and gals all love the soccer moms. So we went ahead and found a soccer mom that has a 2010 uh, Sienna and a 06 Tundra. This gal is really bright, and she takes her car to the same independent that her family, her mom and dad, took their car to for years. So this is a gal that proves a legacy, the value and loyalty with the right kind of customers. You're going to hear from her too. So that's a little bit of an overview. And I will assure you, all these people, if I was in your business, the auto repair business, I would absolutely love to have them as customers too. Well, here's my takeaway. I was in the audience. What a thrill and an honor to be there. You could hear a pin drop, right, Bill? Yes, it was It was amazing. If you will, glued to the edge of their seat, they were intrigued to know what this panel was going to say. They were very curious with based on your questions. And I can't wait to share this. It, oh, by the way, so everyone knows, of course, you're listening to this if you're driving in your car. You're not watching the video, but on the show notes page, you will see the video. In your listening app, there's uh, some podcast players. You can scroll up, see more, scroll up hit the YouTube link, and you could actually watch it on your phone. So please, you're not only listening to the audio here, but you have a great chance to watch this video because Bob has brought us three videos of three special questions that he's asked his panel. You know, it's also worth a mention to all of you that are watching this is one of the things that Carmen and I agreed to is it's one thing to learn what these people are thinking. Then the greater question is, okay, now that we know that, what are we going to do with it, right? So our plan today is to take what we hear from this panel and then share our opinions as to how you might be able to utilize that discovery in your shop and become even more successful. All right, let's go. We'll do the first one. Any idea how much average uh, technician mechanic makes, what they earn an hour? I, I don't, and I imagine in different states it's different, but... Um, guess, I, if you had to guess. Uh, that's all that I need is a guess. Um, 
An, an average technician. Yeah, average mechanic. How much would they earn an hour? Um, I would say just a little bit over minimum wage. Okay. How about you, Ren? I have always heard that they make a lot. Um, what so does a lot mean? I would assume like 45 an hour. $45 an hour? Yeah. I was going to say 40 I would hope they make at least 65 but I have a feeling some of them might just maybe make 30 I'm not sure. Could you all hear the answers? Okay, thanks for, thanks for answering that. So what's the answer? I know, we're like... <laughs> <laughs> he has I'm never going to be asked back again. Oh, sorry. You're the panelist. After oh, lunch, we'll bring all of them up on the stage. You though. can sit out there and you can ask them their questions, Chad. Bob, I got to jump in before you say anything. Your timing is impeccable because I knew you just paused there for what about 10, 12 seconds before you replied. Exactly what I would have done. But wow, look at the answers that we got. Yeah, for sure. And and by the way, guys and gals, all you listeners, it's worth a mention. The way I responded to uh, Jody, please bear in mind, these panelists have been up on stage for a while. And Carm and Bill, tell me if I'm wrong, we built a great rapport with them. So we're able to sort of poke at them a little bit and have that kind of open conversation. Yeah. But what about the answer, oh, that, Carm? That what clip are, is great, though, Bob. That <laughs> 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 You're deadpan. And response. Listen, we do so much on this show about technician pay. In fact, we're getting ready to do a debate, and that would be tomorrow on the Town Hall Academy. And we're recording this. It'll have already been out before this hits on flat rate, flat rate uh, salary bonus programs. There's so many different ways to look at things. But to hear someone say minimum, that really rocked my world when I heard that. Yeah, and she was the second generation client uh, of an auto shop. She was the gal that that is, takes her cars to the same place her parents went. So that's a multi generational shop too. Part of the perception of what people get paid may just be the professionalism that we exude to to the customer. I mean, you know, I guess if you're smelling good and looking good and you're clean and you're professional and the, and the certificates are on the wall, even if you don't sit in the showroom, it is clean. It is nice. Uh, we have a smile. We have a great greeting. That kind of brings the perception that people are happy here. They're earning a lot of money. They're sticking around. But maybe she's got that minimum wage thing because of what she sees and or hears. Yana and Jody were, uh, you know, if I had favorite panelists, that it was those two ladies. They were so informative, some of the things they said, you know, and obviously I really like Yana's idea that a technician, a mechanic makes $65 an hour. I think uh, that's my goal for everybody, for sure. That's a great wage. You're both coaches. You're extremely successful, a shop owner, Bill, and an incredible company with Elite Worldwide, Bob. So you, you've got answers to this. I mean, you see the cross-section. We're, we're moving. We're moving as an industry toward those numbers and figuring out how to do it. Well, we've already reached them. I mean, those are uh, 65 is, is, you know, as far as I know, that's about the top end, you know, 100, 130,000 a year, but we're moving towards 150 fast. And at the bottom end in California, if the person has their own tools, they start at 28. That's the law. Yeah, the greatest concern that I have out of this clip, the takeaway that I had, uh, more than for any of you that are individual shop owners, it's a greater concern that I have for the industry, and it's a perception. Ideally, they would have all said, boy, in today's world, yeah, I'm sure that these guys earn a lot of money. 
I'm sure that these guys are up there with realtors and other high income earners. That's the answer that I was hope that we would hear as an industry. And the other thing, the greater the secondary concern that I have is, is that this that mindset is one of the reasons it's so hard to get new talent into this industry. I mean, if they across the board feel as though these guys are technicians and gals and gals today aren't well compensated, then they're not going to be excited about trying to get people directed toward our industry. So that's a concern that I have is it's not the reflection that we're looking to get out into the industry. So there's two things, you know, sort of catch 22, right? If their perception is high, they're going to think, well, I'm spending a lot of money to get my car fixed. But if their perception is high, then they'll certainly think, you know, this must be a good industry. They must be doing the right job. So we need to get that perception up. And to Bill's point, we need to get the reality of it up and we need to get the perception up too. People need to know you can earn a really good income in this industry. It's worth a mention, guys and gals, that all of the panelists from, from the greater San Diego area and none of them had any of the shops that they work with in the audience so they were able to be very open hey carm here just to let you know that napa auto care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category ratings were based on courtesy timeliness quality price of repair and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit napa auto care is the only banner program to make these ratings Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing through the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care-specific offerings. You also get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. You can also utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care sales driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. And this includes free email marketing, digital and print point of sale materials. Also connect a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand. Also partner with Napa Smart Sign to educate customers with engaging video that tell the why behind the needed repair or service. You can access editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Also offer a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business name embossed on the credit card. Also have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. Hey, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa Know-How for All national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Parts store. I am so curious. I have asked people, how did Bob find these people? No one told me, except for you, maybe now. Yeah. No, I won't. What's the next question that you had? <laughs> no, seriously, it's it's not as hard as you think. All that you need to do is network. What I've done is I've done this in the past. I've networked through people that I know, and I tell them, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, the people that are the panelists are very well compensated, but I'm looking for people that meet this kind of criteria. And I tell the people, this is what I'm looking for. And I put that information out there, and then all of a sudden my phone rings and these people apply. And then I vet them. Uh, by the way, just no disparaging remarks to Walmart or companies like that. But I will guarantee you, none of these people that were on that panel are people you're going to find frequently in Walmart. You're just not. Because they're not looking for the lowest price. What they're looking for is a really good value. That's what they're looking for. I go through the vetting process to find people that I think are the kind of people that they'd like to have. All right, we're going to run this. Video number two. So if you came into a late auto repair and 
I'm the service advisor and I smoke. Would that change your opinion as to whether or not you're going to do business with us? Uh, maybe. Okay. How about you? That's a yes. Yes. Meaning you would probably not want to do something with us? Possibly. Okay. Yeah. Jody, what about you? Maybe. Maybe? You can smoke, but I don't want to know about it. And yeah. it should not be noticeable at <laughs> right. your shop. Smoke, but don't want to know yeah. about it. See? It would be important to have coffee available. How about smoking? Me. If you smell the smoke. <laughs> yeah. If you smell the smoke. No, I, 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 I tend to, would, I would be uncomfortable with that. You would feel uncomfortable? Uncomfortable. So any of you that have advisors that are smokers, just be aware. We have no idea what percentage of customers you're losing, but you're losing them. Remember I mentioned earlier to you about nobody wants to tell the baby that the baby is ugly or tell the parent that the baby is ugly? This is what we're talking about right now. The customers that walk out the door that don't come back, you're wondering why. They're not going to confront you with that. They're not going to necessarily tell you that. These people are telling you, this is important to them. What about tattoos? If you came into a shop and if you didn't see just a small tattoo on somebody, but you saw they had a lot of tattoos, would that influence you or not? No. How about you? No. No? Nope. How about you? No. How about Excellent. you? No. How about Excellent. You? Two questions, smoking and tattoos. Bob, did it come out based on how you think they were going to answer that? I thought that I would get more disparity in the tattoos. I thought that I would get more mixed opinions, but across the board, the way they, it doesn't matter to me, that, that was sort of surprising, especially with the, uh, like Jana is an example that drives a high-end Euro car. And uh, one of the other guys, the other gentleman there that drives the Audi, I was really surprised, but it is what it is. That's why we asked the questions. It's amazing. I happened to go yesterday out to the county fair, spend a few hours with the grandkids, and you can't help on a very hot day with everyone in short sleeves, you know, and in shorts to see the number of tattoos that, that are out there. You know, it's, it's almost like becoming mainstay. I guess it wouldn't stop me from doing business, but the whole health thing and the smoking, I'm a reformed smoker, so I guess I'm going to be a little tough on that. I, I kind of agree with the panel. That's a tough one. I actually pulled out my employee manual and I pulled out my old employee manual because my first employee manual was from 2008, I think was the first time I had an employee manual. And this one's 2020. Boy, did everything change. You know, I had no smoking. I had no tattoos. Now my new one reads, uh, the company wishes to allow personal style through body art. However, the owner reserves the right to require concealing of tattoos or body art if deemed inappropriate. I've got two a general manager and an advisor, and those two are smokers. One of them was in the audience that day. <laughs> she was squirming in her seat a little bit, but that's all invisible. Nobody knows they smoke. They don't smell like smoke. We don't certainly have smoking indoors, but it, the world has changed when it's come to tattoos, uh, for sure. The world has changed towards smoking too. I specifically remember as a child when my Dad went and put a no smoking sign on our front door and threw away the ashtrays in the house in the 70s. Up until then, if your friends came over, they smoked, they smoked. It was a big deal. It was like, oh boy, we're going to make our friends stand outside to smoke. This is insulting. Like, well, it's time. You know, my parents were reformed smokers and smoking's gone one direction and tattoos have gone the other. Bill, you bring up a lot of great points as you always do. And I think there's a couple takeaways here. And just sort of segmenting this and thinking about the smoking part first, I agree. It's not the social norm anymore. 
it's not as acceptable. You know, at one time, doctors smoked. They would encourage people to smoke. But that's not the reality that we're in today. But beyond that, we also have the environmentalists, the people, the clean air people. And, and again, I'm not being disparaging. I'm just being very candid with everyone here. The fact of the matter is there are a lot of people that are just going to look down on people that smoke. And they go, you know what, just so oh, I don't want to round that. It just is not a part of me or whatever it is. So we're not saying don't allow your people to smoke. We're not saying encourage smoking. What we are saying is be aware that you're going to have a lot of customers that are come in that may never come back if they smell smoke on your advisor or on any of your people. If they get in their car and they smell smoke, a technician was in their car, he could smell smoke. You know what? Probability, they're not going to challenge you on that. Probability, they'll just find another shop. So I think that's one of the things you need to be concerned about when it comes to smoking. Here's one thing you might want to consider when it comes to the tattoos. Most of you in the audience are probably, you might be old enough to remember this, but quite a few years ago, Stephen Jobs ran a really great ad when he was really going after Microsoft and Bill Gates. And he ran an ad, whereas there was a lookalike that looked like Bill Gates. And there was a younger guy sort of like casually dressed and it was, you know, are you ready for a Mac? Are you a Mac guy was sort of the approach. And what they were trying to say is, is that there are different PCs for different people, which is true. And I really do live in a world that says there's different images for different people, too. So there are a lot of shops where they can walk in. Look at the coffee shops where people got tats from one end to the other. There are a lot of shops and a lot of communities where it's far more socially acceptable. To be all tatted up is an example. But you know as well as I do, there are some communities where people come in and if they see the advisors, the tech covered with tattoos, they're just not going to come back. They're not just going to come back. So this plays, guys, I think this plays to know thy audience. Know your community, knowing your demographic, knowing how socially acceptable it is or isn't, and then live by that rule. So I think it's awareness. I think it's really great that we heard that. Another point with all this, wages included and smoking and tattoos, is what's the significance of this conversation, right? The significance is it's all marketing, and we all spend money on marketing. And anytime we do something like smoke in front of a client or have an inappropriate tattoo in an inappropriate place or or look a certain way, dirty uniform, et cetera, et cetera, that looks like the guys aren't paid very well. These are all messages, right? And you've really got to think about your marketing and align your image with what it is you're, you're paying for with your whatever, print media, social media. It needs to match. You know, if you go out there and say, you know, we're clean automotive and, and everything about us is clean. We're clean and green. We recycle. We we clean your car every time. We, our shop is clean. And you market, market, market. Then they walk in and there's a coffee stain on the service advisor's desk or worse, then there's this cognitive dissonance. There's this difference yeah, that they well see said. that's well different said. than what they believe. And well I think, said. I think speaking of cognitive dissonance, I think smoking is an example of that. That's where we know something's wrong, but we do it anyway. As a society, we agree that smoking is bad for you. And even the people who smoke would say, yes, I know it's bad for me, yet I do it anyway. Then even if it's not conscious in the back of the customer's mind, they're going to be saying, okay, so this person consciously does something that they know they shouldn't. What are they doing with my car? I have a question to Bill about finding this out on your own. If you take a customer who's an advocate, I mean, they're, they're solid. They've been extremely loyal and you can tell based on how often they come and what you're doing to their vehicle to pull them off into the waiting room or catch them on the way in or the way out to their vehicle and says, Hey, I got a question for you. Is smoking a big deal if you 
saw someone smoking in, inside of our place, customer and or employee, you could find that out. And they may then go on and tell you other things that maybe, as Bob said, you know, the consumer coming in trying you for the first time, there are things they may never come back because of things that they weren't happy about. But you could do your own research, couldn't you, Bill? I think you bring up a significant point, And my answer is yes and no. I'll start with the no. I think no, because just like Bob was saying, he knew that these customers that he brought up on the panel did not have a representative auto shop in the audience from any of their select auto shops. So they were able to be extremely candid. I think yes, because there's always something to be learned. And you could certainly survey your guests either in person with something that was written, with something that was emailed. And I think you'd be surprised what you learn. I haven't done it myself, so I can't speak to it. But I feel like if I was to walk someone outside and ask them, does it bother you to know that we have a smoker or that we have a smoking area? My guess is they would say no because they just don't want to hurt. They don't want to tell me my baby's ugly. Bill, you're a gregarious guy. Just just go up to your customer and say, hey, look, we're really doing an interesting survey about smoking. I mean, not you know, you probably didn't see anybody smoke here. But as a consumer, would you patronize a place that had a smoker? And yeah, by the way, if they don't know you, I'm Bill, the owner. And, you know, we're just trying to constantly improve our business. That is such a great approach from you. I think that that question opens up even better questions. Yeah. I think that they think about that and they go, well, that's not what I want to talk about. I'll tell you yeah. what bothers me. Yeah. Gentlemen, the best way of getting there is just by, I think it's just to have a blind study that you send out. Use any of the surveys programs that are out there. You know, there's hundreds of different surveys and it's blind. Let them tell you what's important to them. One of the things that we've learned at Elite is when you look at the dealers and the independents and how they typically have customer care calls and they have a series of calls that they, questions that they ask, was your car done on time? Was it clean? Did they fix the problem that you brought it in for? Was their price competitive? I disagree with that. I think all that you need to do is get that customer on the other end of the phone. Hey, Bill, do you have a minute? Just want to follow up. How did we do? How do we do, my friend? And let them tell you what's important to them. So I think, Carm, I think your point's a great point. I think all that you need to do is just use one of the survey services and send it out and ask them for feedback on what's important to you, things that would attract them or, or cause them to shy away from an auto repair shop. I look at Bill and you know, he's such a nice guy. I figured they would open up to him too. But to your point... The blind survey allows maybe them to be a little bit more open and honest. But we are ready. You're going to love this, everyone. You go online and you're going to Google search and you're looking for, he's a term mechanic. Just off the top of your head, don't think about this. Sarah, would you say mechanic or would you say a technician? Mechanic. 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 There. Or maybe auto repair, but mechanic. Bob, I believe everyone left the Elite Invitational and changed some stuff on their website the next day. Gentlemen, we had a, uh, a speaker come into one of our conferences in Dallas, Texas, quite a few years ago. It owns one of the incredibly successful multinational ad agency. And one of the things that he did is he wanted to give us some examples on marketing in the auto repair industry. And he actually put up a poster. Now, bear in mind, I want to give you a, a disclaimer here. It's nothing that I would do if I was in the auto repair business. But he put up a poster, an ad, and it had a picture of a guy standing there. And there was this giant, giant four foot long wood screw right through his chest. And the ad read, don't get screwed 
by your auto repair shop or something of that nature. Well, everybody in the audience railed against it. They said, there's enough negativity. We don't need to bring more of this negativity, you know, and and the ugliness to the industry. It's already known and out there. And what he said was sort of telling to me, the ad agency said, well, and all the people that were there representing the agency said, why are you afraid to talk about what the customers are talking about? Why are you afraid to, you know, talk about the elephant in the room? This is the language that they use. So I think this is a really great example, guys. You know, here we are talking about technicians, as we should, but the rest of the world refers to them with by and large as mechanics, because in their mind, they're working with their hands, right? They're putting on brakes. They're taking wheels off and on. They're replacing water pumps. They're thinking in a mechanical term. They're not thinking in a, in a technology term, in a diagnostic kind of a term. I understand where they're coming from. But man, this should, guys and gals, this should put a whole new spin on what you're doing with SEO. (laughs) And like, Carl, like you said, with your website. Whoa. Yes, absolutely. If you think that SEO uh, will embrace the word technician, it's not going to help. Listen, I'm going to say that I have been so guilty of trying to change on the podcast for seven years the word mechanic to technician. And I heard that. I had a cold sweat. Bob, I really did. Not for the fact that I think what I'm doing brings value that we need to honor the guys that have worked so hard to become quote, quote, technicians, but the consumers aren't ready for it. You know, it's like when you think of your children, the argument is which of your children do you love the most? Which of the two? Come on, we all know the answer to that, right? So, unless one of them is a teenager. So the reality of it is, I think both of those terms, mechanic and technician, have a role in our industry. They do. But you could use them both in your SEO, or in, I should say, in your website, in your media. You could say, if you come to a late auto repair, you're going to be working with a technician that not only has strong mechanical skills, but this mechanic actually is a gifted technician. He has the ability to do this and this and this. So I could see, guys, how you could easily use both of those terms together by helping the people understand that the guy that's or gal that's going to be working in our car is a mechanic for sure, but he is also a gifted technician when it comes to the technology on their automobiles. I think it's easy to put them together. And then your SEO is going to go up. You're going to get the, you're going to get the people that you're looking for then. I was working in a garage in 1984. I think you probably were operating a garage in 1984. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember that the technician uh, term was kind of a ha-ha joke back then. I was a fuel transfer technician because I was the guy on the pumps. It was always ha-ha and, oh, I'm, a, I'm an automotive technician. Do you remember the transition when and why Yeah, it was about that era. We were literally doing nothing more. Actually, it had nothing to do with technology or automobiles. We were just trying to bring up the industry. Word technicians started to come into into life when it came to technology. When you started hearing about computers, when you started to hear about computer technicians, guys that were able to work in a technical field, when Bill Gates was starting to take off with Microsoft, then all of a sudden we heard, whoa, man, that's a pretty cool term, technician, you know? What does that mean? And then we tried to uh, bring it in our industry, which we did, and I think we should. I think the guys and gals that work on cars today, Bill, they truly are gifted technicians, but we can't forget that they're mechanics as well. And there's nothing disparaging about that. That's a gift too, to be able to understand the mechanics of automobiles as well as the technical aspect, you know, how all things relate together. Uh, It's huge. I, I have a few thoughts on it. My most recent experience and survey we put together, if you listen to Carm's um, last interview with me, we put together our passion statement. And in the process of putting together this group of words, one of the sentences is, so you, the customer, the service advisor, and the fill-in-the-blank, technician or mechanic. I put it to the guys in the back shop. I said, what do you, 
what do you want to put here? And I explained to him that people use the word mechanic for you guys. Is that okay? Do you want to use their word or do you want to use your word? They chose technician. I am personally a huge fan of the word mechanic. And here's why I'm going to read from uh, the dictionary here from the Oxford dictionary. Technician is a person employed to look after technical equipment or do practical work in a laboratory, an expert in a practical application of science, or a person skilled in the technique of an art or craft. Technicians, examples of technicians are theatrical technicians, school laboratory technicians, engineering technicians, laboratory technicians, electronics technicians, x-ray technicians, and the list goes on. Mechanic. Guess what mechanic is? There's only one. There's only one mechanic. A mechanic is defined as an artisan, skilled tradesperson who uses tools to build, maintain, or repair machinery. Also may be technician. If I was to be in charge of the languages of the world, I think I would have technician right above apprentice. It would be a hierarchy of apprentice, technician, mechanic. You know what? I am so with you on that. And and Carm, you know, you're making my head hurt because you're making me think today. The reality of it is when you think about it, tell me if I'm wrong, guys. Tell me if I'm wrong. When I think about it now, that word technician is so hyperused. It's so overused. You know, your windshield repair technician is going to come out and he's going to replace us. A technician that's at the Verizon store that's going to take care of your phone. I mean, it's like the word technician is used for everybody and anybody today. That's a really great point that you brought up. It really is, Bill. So I think the takeaway for me is we got two customers. We got the internal and external, right? We have to appreciate our industry and the people in our industry. And if they feel as though that they're technicians, if they prefer to be called that way, then darn it, then I think that that's the right thing to do. At the same time, we have to understand our customers and we need to find a way to bring those together. I just think SEO, you got to find a word to bring in mechanic and still respect technician and video too. I think the video clips that you put out need to address that as well. You know, the mechanic that's going to be working on your automobile, he's not just a really gifted mechanic, but he has understands that technical end of the aspect as well. That's why these mechanics that work at us are not just mechanics, but they're very gifted technicians as well. I think if you put that in your videos and in your scripts and all, I think you'll be in a really great place. I think you're right. Absolutely. 100%. We have to speak their language back to your get screwed by your mechanic. Yeah. It would be foolish to not uh, use the word mechanic. And I think as you're speaking, Bob, I'm writing a blog in my head where a mechanic is also a computer technician, is also a diagnostic technician, is also an electronics Mm -hmm. technician. Amen. This mechanic is 20 different kinds of technician, and that's why he's a mechanic, right? That's why he's such a great mechanic. So, Carm, I think what we could do is just bring these divergences closer together. I hope that that makes sense, right, Carm? The more we could bring the, the communication and the understanding between the customers and the technicians in the industry closer together, the more successful we'll be. And when it comes to SEO, just imagine what's going to happen to the shop owners to start embedding mechanic. You know, that ran from the word, right? Ran from the word over the past 20 years when they started embedding that word because every one of those people, did you notice how quickly they responded? So mechanic, that word technician never even came into their mind. Whoa. Yeah, mechanic near me, auto repair near me, but that's it, done. And if you're not there, you're square. You're going to pay more for Google ads. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And do less. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well said. Do less yeah. with them. And we have two more of these coming up. 
I just can't wait to see the next round of videos. Some juicy topics too. Yeah, the next one's going to be pricing and recovery. And when it comes to pricing, I think uh, to all of your audience, I think your head is going to hurt too. You better bring some Excedrin with you because there are going to be some prizes in there when it comes to pricing. And what do you do when you drop the ball? What are some of the things that you could do to really make that customer go, you know what, I'm in the right place. I'm dealing with the right people. That's an eye opener. It really is. And after that, then we get into marketing. The next one, Carm, after that's going to be with websites and whoa. <laughs> you and I were talking about the Invitational going way back earlier in the year, and you explained this panel to me. I think uh, at the same time, both of our eyes lit up about, oh, we could make this a podcast episode if you could find the greatest takeaways from, I don't know, would you spend three hours with this panel? Unbelievable. I mean, you know, we're, we're just covering what, you know, eight, 10 minutes of some of the really good stuff. But what you did for that conference was exceptional. You deserve a lot of high fives for that. Oh, thank you, Carmen. I'm pleased that you enjoyed it. It was a collaborative effort. Everyone in our organization, Bill, everyone in our organization contributed. The good people at Mitchell and the good people at Jasper were sponsors as well. So I'm very, very happy that we were able to pull it off. And you know, I just did a survey earlier today to find out how many of your coaches I've interviewed who have been on the show and have contributed 13. Oh, thank you. Wonderful people. Great people. So you have something for our audience. I do. And one of the things I wanted to do for all of you guys and gals that are watching this program today is we know that when it comes to this panel, it's all about the customer experience, right? We know there's a lot of things that come into the picture, how you greet your customer, the kind of service that you provide, and what do you do with shuttles and all. And Italy, we actually have a template. It's a customer care guide. It's a template. And it gives you a bunch of bullet points that are starter points, things that you need to consider and things that you need to chat with your employees about the entire customer experience, all the way from marketing and all the way through a postcard delivery and customer follow-up. It's a 13-page document. It's a customer care guide. I'm confident that you're going to really love it. We also have a, a job description for shop owners. It's ironic, Carm and Bill, how many shop owners don't realize that they need to have a written job description as well with their responsibilities. So at Elite, we have a 12-page written job description for shop owners. And Carm, what I've decided to do is make it available to all of your guys and gals that are watching this uh, video. All that they would need to do is go to our website, EliteWorldwide.com. And then if you look at slash ARN for you, Carm, there's a QR code. When they click on it, they're able to get access to the folder. It's a zip folder. You can download it and utilize those gifts. I'm confident that you're going to find them very, very, very rewarding. Thanks, Bob. We will make sure that that URL is linked in the show notes. Also, we'll make sure the QR code is there. And I was privileged to get advanced copies. Look at this. Wait a minute. If you want to get excited, look at the detail in the job description one. Wow, Bob, thank you so much for this. Uh, very, very kind of you to offer it. Well, Bill Greeno, Bob Cooper, thank you so much for this great episode. You know, the customer's perspective, we need it, want it all the time. And uh, we're going to do two more of these coming up. So don't miss them, please. There'll be part two and part three. Bob Cooper, Elite Invitational, Elite Worldwide president. Founded in 1990, Bob. You've been at this a while, huh? Yeah, it is. I love doing what I do. Oh, good for you. And Bill Greeno, Quality Automotive Servicing in Truckee, California. Guys, thanks for being on the show. 
Yeah, and Carm, back to you. Yeah, back to you, Carm, just for a moment. I would like to personally thank you for what you're doing for the industry. I mean, you have an impact on the industry that is unlike any other. Yours is the most common name when it comes to who heard what, where, and how. Uh, It seems to all trail back to you and your efforts. Uh, You work really hard at what you're doing. You want to make sure that you deliver great content. And you do that. And I believe that that's why you have such an incredible following, continue to turn on such great products. So the industry is certainly uh, better in many ways because of your efforts. So Carm, you and Tracy as well, uh, please keep doing what you're doing for, for a long time. Please do that for all of us. I'm humble, Bob. Thank you. It's true. You're more than welcome. Honored, sir. Thank you, Carm. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,